When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Matthew Collar here, and I am joined inside TCO Performance Center by Alec Lewis of The Athletic. What is going on, man? First time getting together here in camp. You doing all right? Your first camp. How exciting is this? I know. This has been awesome. The fans are out there. Justin Jefferson's doing his thing. First, we're in like a little cubby here. Like, Does anybody know that you just record these things and like, I mean, we are in like a back office, but you've got your Oakley sunglasses on the top of your head. You look you look camp ready, um, and you've looked – you came into camp very comfortable, very excited. Um, you looked like you were uh, prepared, and I think you've attacked it well. So it's been fun being here and watching you perform the way you have thus far. Well, you know, it's just about repetitions and technique. Time uh, on task. Personally, time on task. But I will say, I bought some new clothes for training camp. <laughs> I did, you know, just like first day of school. I have uh. always viewed this as the first day of school, first week of school – Buy some new clothes. The the new hat I got this summer, the, the kind of the golf hat. And then, of course, our Oakley sponsorship. Uh, they are done with their sponsorship. It was like for six weeks, as everybody on the show heard. But I don't have to give these back. And they get noticed, man, because usually Brian O'Neill and Justin Jefferson are the only guys with Oakleys. And they're like, wait, and you? They're like, well... Look, hey, not yeah, everybody they, can be a high-profile podcaster. They may not be wearing them after they see you wearing them, though. Come on. Um, Come on. Yeah, I, I'm not. A, no, but it is good to hear that you've elevated your wardrobe um, for this season. I mean, I know I know it should be a fun one. I'm excited. Um, but no, on a serious note, it has been really fun being out here. I enjoy being back with the camaraderie of the group. We miss our friend Chris Thomason, but... Um, it has been a blast and uh, looking forward to see where this thing goes. It's its own beast is what training camp is. Like the, the season is totally different. Training camp is much longer days. I mean, because we show up for the press conference and not complaining, just describing. <laughs> yeah. Show up for the press conference. It's not a hard thing to do. Uh, and, you know, go through that. And then we kind of come back here and podcast and write and wait. And then we go out there and, and watch the entire practice and then go home and podcast and write. And, you know, it's kind of like one day after the next. Uh, but this is a really exciting week for this team because the pads are coming on today. They will be popping and you know we've been a little short on those cliches like we haven't heard players say oh can't wait to get those pads popping <laughs> when they when they have the joint practice it'd be good to hit somebody else out there like that's always it but just here's my advice though for you is just just soak this one in because it, the first training camp that you cover, you always remember the random dudes who didn't make it, but like had one good practice moment or something. And then the night practice is coming up later this week. And that is a whole thing in itself. It's a really 
cool moment just for the whole team uh, to have. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's really fun. So I'm kind of like jealous. Mine was a long time ago. 2017 was my first camp, but I did the same thing as you where I moved here and then went through a whole season and then got camp on the, on the back end. It sort of feels weird, but you will find that your understanding of this team and this team's narrative, it began here. And I think you'll understand it much better as you see it develop than if you're just sort of tossed into the fire. No, that's exactly what happened. Like I got here last year, really the week of the first game. And so I had been knowing I was going to move here and that I had this job. I was like reading your stuff, listening, Ben and, and Andrew Kramer. Like I was doing everything I could to study up, but you're not immersed in it. You didn't know that Amir Smith-Marset had been where he'd been. You didn't know, like I didn't know so much of the history. And so the fact is like, yeah, I, I saw the draft play out. I saw the undrafted signings one after another. And now I'm at a point where, yeah, I know the, the 90 guys that are here. Um, I understand the backstory of, of, of Jaron Hall. I know the, the situation of Kirk Cousins contract. I watched the Daniil Hunter thing play out and obviously come to a resolution this weekend uh, before I woke up. So it has been, yeah, I, um, I, I do feel very, I, I've enjoyed like the fact that it is building and then obviously we'll get to see things play out. Um, so I'm, I, I am, I am really excited. I try to like hold myself back because I'm sunburned already and, uh, and, and tweeting too much, but um, trying to just balance it all. Well, I, I texted you after Jordan Addison's arrest and I said like, now it's official. Now you are a Vikings beat reporter when the day before training camp, they ruin your final day that you thought you were relaxing and hanging out, just uh, not doing anything. And then some player has something happen. And then another sort of rite of passage is waking up and being like, what? <laughs> and for me, the, the, it just, I felt so dumb the, the, because I had written just the night before I had finished up the article at like 11 o'clock at night and I'm poking away. It's a, Oh, De Niro, Dill Hunter is uh, his situation is lingering over an exciting start to camp. Ha ha here. What a great article. <laughs> and then I wake up like, Oh, I guess not. And then my articles go out at around eight o'clock in the morning through the email, sign up for the newsletter if you haven't. Uh, Good but plug. it's the, the news broke at like eight Oh five. And I was asleep. So then it just sends out this article talking <laughs> yeah. about like, this could go on for a long time, uh, but let's transition right into that because sure. I thought it was going to go on for a long time. I said the night before, it just feels like it's trending toward this, not coming to a resolution. Jeremy Fowler's out there saying there's trade things going on and discussions and like, Oh man, it just seems a little ugly. Kevin O'Connell seemed like he was pleading with everybody to get something done with Hunter. And then the next day, one year deal. That's what he held out for four days for really. Yeah. I mean, I, I was similarly surprised. You mentioned the Jeremy Fowler report and, and after Jeremy Fowler reported that I believe the Vikings were in trade talk, other teams were interested. I, I texted, I've got a connection with an executive, another team through kind of some of my baseball background. I've got pretty fortunate with that. And I texted, he's like, yeah, I've heard similar that they, they have, I mean, the trade conversations have been a thing, been a talking point. But then I, we were talking back and forth, the executive and I, I was like, what do you think from a draft pick perspective is, is possible? And he would not go any higher than, than a third, maybe. And in and, really? and that capacity, I think in even it to get a third, the Vikings were having to send something back. That was pretty later. So the more I heard that, the more it's like, you know what? Like, I, I don't know how that would pan out 
um, and, and how it would make sense, I think, holistically, especially when you consider that if they kept Daniel Hunter, the comp pick would exist, and, and that would probably be a third, which, which maybe they could get. So I heard that, and I was like, you know, that's interesting, but I still was very unsure. Is Daniel in his, ha- in his camp going to be willing to move off of wanting a long-term deal and secure money for a guy who has had the injury pass that he's had? And I wasn't sure, and then – to your point, I woke up and you're like, wow, one-year deal, okay. It is a, a, a salary that could push him towards the top of the edge rusher market. But um, I, I, I did think it was interesting. Kevin O'Connell in his presser Saturday was very much like, I want to see 99 in purple. And so I think ultimately, I, I think in my head, I could kind of stack it up. But it was a, a weird resolution to a thing that, to your point, I thought could maybe last longer and end differently. Yeah, I felt pretty surprised that I was comparing him to Alex Highsmith and Emmanuel Ogba (laughs) and not T.J. Watt. And so let's talk about that. Why do we think that that is, that the league would not view this as somebody you want to send a first-round pick for, sign to the huge multi-year contract? Because we have watched Daniil Hunter. You got your first taste last year. I've seen years of Daniil Hunter. You know, my assessment is he's very good at football. (laughs) He is good at it. I mean, he gets tons of sacks. He gets tons of pressures. PFF loves him and grades him high. Now, I, I know that there are some underlying statistics that would show you that teams don't double team him as much. Okay, that's fine. But he still creates tons of pressure, tons of production, A plus teammate. Everyone has always loved him in this building. And yet the Vikings have never gone all in on him and other teams didn't want to go all in on him. Like, what are we missing with Daniil Hunter here? It has to be two things. The injury mm-hmm. pass has to be one of them. Yeah. But I think the other, maybe, and you could correct me if you think I'm wrong, but, like, he's just so unorthodox. Like, he's so big and he moves so funky. Mm-hmm. And that I think, like, maybe at age 28, it's like, I don't can Is this sustain? Like, But, I mean, he's done it for five years when he's been healthy, so I think there's a pretty clear argument. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. The other, I mean, situation, maybe it's just – his camp is as difficult to deal with in some capacity that could play a role. But I, I think, I don't know. It is a very valid, valid question. It's part of the reason why this offseason I reached out to Brandon Thorne, who I'm sure you've had on this show oh, yeah. before. And I, I was like, can you just walk me through some film and like show me what you see with Daniil that I wouldn't see with the naked eye. And he's talking about Daniil's use of the ice pick and certain moves. I'm just like, I mean, yeah, it's he's unorthodox. He does it differently, but it is hard to understand because Brandon Thorne's like, look, this guy's a top 10 edge rusher in the NFL, like when he's healthy. And so either teams are valuing these age curves more than maybe I'm even giving it credit for and, and injury and, and valuing that. Otherwise, it is hard to understand to your to your question. Right. I think that if you're another team, the reason you're not offering a lot is because you have to give him so much money when he arrives that although I guess it turned out that you didn't, but I mean, (laughs) they, or at least that's what you would have thought. Like if I'm the Jaguars and I'm calling the Vikings, I'm saying, look, if I'm giving you a second round pick, I'm also going to sacrifice 25 million of my cap. So I can't give you all of my draft capital and then give him all of my cap. So I need to get him for a very reasonable price. And I also think there's something around the league still with Quasi Adafo Mensah 
because these guys have known each other for a long time, these general managers. Some of them have been with teams for 10 years. Like it's not uh, some other sports, they fire GMs every other season. But in the NFL, some of these guys have been in the position for a long time. There is an old boys club. They know each other. And I think that in with some other instances with more experienced GMs, you'll see them sort of step up to the plate. Like think about the Zadarius Smith trade. Mm-hmm. Who is it done with? Andrew Barry. The guy that he knows and the guy that he worked with. And that's how a lot of these things work. Brad Holmes, he seems to have uh, some sort of relationship with Brad Holmes in Detroit. But there's probably not a lot of those situations for Quasey. And I wonder if everybody looks at it like, I'll trade with you but not in a friendly way, not in a, okay, I'll give you that second, but kind of like a fantasy football. If you're friends with somebody, you might say, all right, I'll help you out. You help me out. But if it's somebody you don't know, if it's just a random account, you're not giving them anything unless you win the trade. I have wondered about that as well. And certainly the long-term sustainability of his success he has played a lot of football. This isn't someone who came into the league at 23 and is 29. It's 20 and he's 29. Injuries along the way. But you would think that some team would be desperate. The Jaguars just make so much sense. We need to win this year. Get one more pass rusher. And for them not to do it, and this is where we look at now the Vikings perspective, to not trade him away for nothing because it would look terrible if they did that. Third round pick would look horrendous for Quasey. So we couldn't do that. I think this is the next best option. I think this is better than signing a four-year, $90 million contract, but do you agree with that? To me, this was just the classic Koisiodofomensa competitive rebuild mm-hmm. move. Like yep. it's, It is a short-term deal for a guy who's older and has an injury risk, and you keep maintaining the long-term flexibility on the cap, especially uh, when you're going to have a pretty uh, tough dead cap hit next year, obviously, holistically. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is. I think it's a good option. I mean, I thought about it in a lot of different ways. Like for Brian Flores' defense, I think it really helps and it solidifies what Brian Flores is trying to do. It keeps another key leader, proven guy on that defense. But but then I also think like from a macro perspective, and I don't even know if I should wade into this or, or if it makes sense. And I'm curious what you think. But if you're trying to go up and draft another quarterback, mm-hmm. and yet your defense is now better, so you win more games. So you have a worse pick like, yes, I get you. You're probably going to be more competitive. It helps the defense this upcoming year. But does that make it harder in the end to go get the quarterback that you might want to go get? And I don't know if it's fair to even link those two things together. But I just I can't I guess with all conversations, I come back to that quarterback one. And and that includes even this one. It's a it's definitely a factor because when you try to do a competitive rebuild, and this is what Quasey was talking about, knowing that the odds are worse yeah. if you try to stay in the middle and then get to the top than they are if you go to the bottom. Well, part of that is if they had traded away Kirk and even, let's say, trade away Hawkinson because his contract is up, trade away Daniil Hunter, and you win three games and you play Tim Boyle and Nathan Peterman at the end and you get Caleb Williams and you pair him with Justin Jefferson <laughs> – Oh my gosh. Like you are going, you are cooking with gas. I mean, it's kind of like Indianapolis. Like they won the suck for luck competition. The Vikings lost it by one game. And think about that. Like he came into the league. He had him in the playoffs. He had him in the AFC championship. Just that's what the superstar quarterback can do for you. So everything has to be tied into that. So I I guess there's two minds that I have, which is in one way, I think, yeah, he should have tanked. 
I, I mean, just logically, that that's probably the way you should have gone. And sometimes it's you get stuck tanking forever, and you're the Lions or the Jets, and that's not good. But sometimes you're the Bengals, and it just changes your life to get that guy. So that's going back, though, to the beginning of Quasi. Correct. He's doing what he said he was going to do yeah. with this type of move. I also think that the relationship between O'Connell and Quasi is very important. And if you just trade away Daniel Hunter for nothing and say like, hey, buddy, but I'll get you Drake May with the tank. I don't know if Kevin O'Connell's on board with that after winning 13 games, right? So they have to be, and with ownership, they all have yeah, to be on gonna... the same page on this. So even though they're sacrificing some potential odds at getting that super high pick quarterback, they are all on the same page at what the plan was and they're executing the plan. I agree with you, and I'm glad you mentioned ownership because that was the thing, too. Like you, From the beginning, when you mentioned Tegman, I just think the expectation here is we want to be competitive every year. And so to do that, but also put yourself in a position to win the whole thing, uh, you got to be, you got to thread the needle. I think the other thing is this division still remains up for grabs. And so when you bring, when you maintain a guy like Daniel Hunter, it gives you a better chance to win the division, um, obviously. And so, I, I mean, it is, there's so many variables um, in terms of, external and also like what they're trying to do that it it's it is fascinating and I agree with you that Quasi in the end has kind of I mean kept to to his approach from the beginning which is better I think in my opinion than having an approach than shifting around moving around I mean it at least remains consistent and I also think I mean it is a nod to Brian Flores like look I mean if, if we're gonna really make a transformation here especially with the youth that secondary that they have I mean, I you need. I think you need a guy like this, and so ultimately, as you as I look at the whole thing, I think it's a pretty sensible decision in terms of their structure of the strategy that they've deployed on this team holistically. I think that it makes sense from the way teams usually do stuff. Uh, if you wanted to break the game, which is not <laughs> really what you know, I, we haven't seen them really do. Uh, and we don't really see football teams do very often. We don't see them do kind of things that appear crazy but are sort of next level galaxy brain thinking. Uh, but there's an argument to say that a few of the things that we just talked about just like aren't true. It's probably not true that Daniil Hunter swings this defense very much. I think it's more about what it says about where they are, but I mean the PFF wins above replacement it says that him alone is probably worth a half a win. Uh, you know, and there's a trickle down to the secondary and everything else, but they were 27th last year and he was great. And we've seen him play before. I mean, the first half of 2021, their defense was no good. He was great. One guy can only impact the defense so much. And so what is going to determine this defense good or not is really the guys on the back end who are unproven because if Daniil Hunter gets five pressures in a game, we're like, what a great game. They threw 40 passes, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and I can promise that there's not going to be a lot of other pressure coming. So is it overrated to do that and not trade him away? And then the other thing is it comes up all the time about the quarterback. How will they get a quarterback if they don't pick at the very top? I, I mean, go through how often has the top quarterback in the draft been the best quarterback of that draft? I mean, Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen were not the first guy off the board. It was Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. That doesn't mean Caleb Williams won't be good. I mean, Mahomes, he's probably going right? to be fantastic. Mahomes is not the first quarterback taken. I mean, this year, would you bet that it could be 
Richardson or Stroud. Like, it doesn't have to be Bryce Young. So I think also, too, Mahomes, the Chiefs were drafting 27th when they picked Mahomes, and they traded up. So I don't think that winning and keeping Hunter and even winning the NFC North, if that's what they can do, just means – oh, well, you just can't possibly get a quarterback and you have to keep Kirk or get Andy Dalton or something, I think that that option will still be there for them. No, I agree. I definitely think it's it's possible. And I, like, I'm glad you bring up the Chiefs example. Um, but it does make me think of, like, Kwesi talked about the risk involved. And at that point, if you're, if you're trading multiple draft picks to move up to get who you think is the guy, I mean, this is the ultimate thread the needle and it better be the guy, which, again... I mean, like props, if that's the way you, and if you have the conviction that it is your guy and you want to go up and get it, I mean, that's that to each their own. And I, and I think that strategy totally makes sense. And I still think the way Quasey talked about Kirk, I mean, we'll see what happens with that situation in general, but um, yeah, I I think you're, you're exactly right to bring it up. If for me to act like, Oh, now they're now he's going to change the entire defense. And now they're going to be picking so high that there's no way they get back. I think that's, that's overdoing it. I just, that's a little bit of like taking into where my mind went. Obviously, initially it helps the defense. Now, does it, does it elevate them to be from a, whatever they were last year, 28th and DVOA to 12th obviously I don't think so but um I, I think it obviously improves the defense and I think it allows you to be uh, apply more numbers to your secondary if need be and then I also think um just in terms of the quarterback it just my mind goes there probably just as a byproduct of the importance of of that position and building your team everything they do connects to what's going to happen at quarterback for sure I guess when it there's there's two things that I think a little differently about uh one is you, you said that, well, like, hopefully there's a guy that they believe in. And my thing is, it doesn't matter if you do or not. Like, odds-wise, it doesn't matter. Right. Which is, again, not how any team would do it. They're going to do all the research and everything else. But there have been all sorts of quarterbacks that should have been great, and they weren't. And their teams did all the research, and it didn't matter. And then there's ones that are great, and we can't explain it. Um, so, you know, it's I, I think you have to just draft one no matter what. But they have backed themselves into a corner by keeping Kirk and not drafting Will Levis last year where you really have one shot at this. Uh, and it's and it's next year's draft if that's the way you're going to approach it and not go outside the building to another disgruntled quarterback, Kyler Murray. Uh, but, you know, like there will be but there will be there will be opportunities potentially um, for other quarterbacks, I think that will hit the market and so forth. But I don't think you're wrong to connect every move. I just think that keeping Hunter is more about what it looks like than what it is. Meaning it's more about saying to Brian Flores, we're giving you what you need to win to Kevin O'Connell, to the Wilfs, to the fans, yeah. you trade away Daniel Hunter and it's like, Oh, we're tanking. Like we, we're going to be bad. Aren't we? And I think there's a lot of people who would be okay with that, but I don't think that they think that there's a lot of people that would be okay with that. You know what I mean? So, and, and, but to everybody, to Justin Jefferson, to Kirk and Hey, by the way, Jefferson doesn't have an extension yet, which I wanted to ask your opinion on that. Mm -hmm. Do you think he and Hawkinson are not too far behind now that they have resolved Daniel Hunter? Yeah, I think, I think they have to be, I mean, I, I said this, (laughs) said this to my dad last night, I was talking on the phone and he was asking me questions about the team and he lives in Alabama and doesn't really care other than the fact his son spends a lot of his hours around this team and he was asking about Jefferson I'm like 
that I mean, with what I've seen out on the practice field, like I, I, it is hard for me to really understand. I mean, he is going very hard, and it is beautiful to watch, and I love it, and I'm fortunate and grateful that I get to see it. But part of me is like, what else does he need? I mean, what else does he really need to prove? I'll, I'll say this too. Um, I wrote a story last year about this guy Jerry Sullivan, who who was one of Justin's wide receivers coaches at LSU, and who has worked with him periodically. And I texted Jerry. Um, the other day and he said I was just up in Minnesota with Justin for 10 days the cheetah has not lost his stripes this guy's working as hard as he ever has and I was like man I mean sheesh for this guy for what he's it done shows. right and and so back to the original question I think they're behind I think they're right behind I think TJ Hawkinson they, they love what I think the versatility that he can bring and I think you can see it out there like how much Kirk trusts them and how much in sync those two guys are so I would expect those to be behind uh the Daniel Hunter deal and I again I have a hard reason kind of understanding why they don't kind of just push it uh make it happen uh, if if I'm being honest but um I think and I think it speaks to the to the relationship and the communication level between like Kevin O'Connell and these guys that it's played out as cordially as it has like I've thought about the strategy there um, and, and the communication, I think that matters too, as we talked about, like, why hasn't this happened? I think there is a, uh, synergy with those two sides that is important and worth mentioning. Well, because you have a lot of players around the league who are unhappy with their contracts. Um, one of them is openly fighting with his owner on Twitter, yeah. uh, Jonathan Taylor yeah. and Zach Martin kind of doing the same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. And yet here's Justin Jefferson just putting on a laser show out there. I mean, it's it's wild. It's wild to get to get to see it up close. Like you could see it on TV and you're still amazed by it. But to see him moss a guy 20 feet away, <laughs> like I, I did. I did 30 minutes on the show the other night just on his catch. I was like, this is just unbelievable to watch. But it's worth bringing up for both of those guys. They have put a lot of faith. And I don't think it's just because of the CBA because they could have held in in the organization to get this worked out mm -hmm. by showing up and by practicing every day. And I think that there's way less risk for them than there is for Hunter Hunter's age, his injury history. They are younger. They have no injury histories. Uh, at the same time, they have not made any noise. Justin came out and just said, Hey, you know, like, uh, we'll see, we'll figure it out. And then has gone out and done everything. I wasn't sure whether he was going to take limited reps or what was going to go on. <laughs> it's been everything. I mean, it's just every rep. So you couldn't ask for anything better from his side. And it feels like now that they've got the Hunter thing out of the yeah. way, which always felt like the black cloud that needed to get taken care of that these two should be done by the end of camp. And if they're not, I'm really going to wonder why. Yeah. And you said black cloud. I also think just from a cap perspective, as oh, they're, yeah. as they're lining it up with, with how much they're going to have to pay these guys in the short term versus how much to defer the cap. Now they have, a, I think even a better idea, obviously knowing Daniil's cap hit. So yeah, I'm with you. Like I would be, I'd be pretty surprised if, if neither of those got sorted through in some capacity. I mean, I always think about like, if the player waits and other and, and other guys sign huge deals, then maybe you make more on top of those guys' contract, a la the quarterback situation where you've had Lamar, Jalen, Herbert, and obviously Burrow will probably come. So I think about that with Justin in the end. But I just think there's – from the very beginning of the Justin extension conversation, and even you could say TJ really, like this team has been very much – 
on the <laughs> they've been out in front of the cameras in front of the microphone saying like we want to make sure this happens I mean I I've said this before but at the owners meetings when we sat with Mark Wolf we asked him the question about Justin and he looked at his piece of paper he had and it, he was like we and he it, there was like a line there obviously that that is like with Justin you say yes we want to make this happen because I think they're that um, comfortable with the idea that that they're committed to it so we'll see when it happens but I wouldn't be shocked if this podcast is uh, – <laughs> you never know with, with the timing of these things. I wouldn't be surprised if we look at Twitter after the podcast <laughs> yeah. and we've got news. Just uh, it, I hadn't had one blown up in a while. But then, you know, I came, you in, I came in today. Kevin Seifer was like, was anything we said relevant <laughs> yeah. the other day? Like, yeah. Go back and listen to it. The second half about the quarterback stuff was, but not so much the, the Daniil Hunter conversation. I wonder who you are most interested in out here outside of those big stories, because I needed to get your take on the thing that's happening and, and the thing that is uh, the most relevant to their future. But also, there's just interesting players all over the place. There have been years in the past where I stood as the players walk off. We kind of stand on the sideline and then you just talk with whoever you want to talk with. And I would look around and go, I don't know, who have I? <laughs> Who is interesting or who have I not written a hundred stories about? Like, oh, there's Adam Thielen again and so forth. And now, like, who's this guy? Let's say, oh, a new player, you know, and uh, getting to new, new people and all that stuff. Um, I wonder, like, who's at the top of your list? I think it's my brand to say Jaron Hall at this point. That's kind of I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But but on a serious you note, had a day there though. Yeah, I know. I was I was uh, and I wrote about him twice this summer. Someone tweeted me. They were like, "The most annoying thing about you is how much you like this guy." I was like, "I don't know." Like they drafted a quarterback, I think for a reason. Um, but I'll give you some names that I've I've enjoyed watching. And I am keeping an eye on um, Lewis Seen, obviously, given his situation, first round pick. I sat with him the other day, and he was very much like, I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to prove it on the field. Then he made that play Saturday that was pretty uh, impressive, probably like the – I mean, I don't know, maybe the most impressive I've seen him play, I've seen him make. So he's one of them. Jalen Naylor was really impressive this spring, and I know he's had a little leg injury these last few days, but um, just interested to see his development just in general. Um, and then – uh, I'll give you like a wild card is is Ivan Pace. Like you've heard some good stuff about him. He's undersized linebacker who who was undrafted, and I'm just it, today's the first day of pads, and I just want to see this guy smash somebody. Um, and I so so those are three names that are on the top of my head. But I you're exactly right in that I could name a boatload of guys that are just interesting to me, and I think um, that's part of what's been fun. Okay, I'll follow ups on each guy. Uh, Lewis Seen had a great play the other day, and Brian Flores talked today about how he loved how excited his teammates for were for him, which I brought up on the show the other night. Their instant reaction you sort of you can sort of figure out by watching enough body language how everyone else feels about someone. Yeah. And uh, oh, that guy, yeah, good for us. <laughs> uh, but they seemed genuinely excited, and Flores was calling out people in the media or in the meeting room who were not celebrating enough, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it is one play without pads. He did say that he likes what he's seen from his technique and of course had to throw in there. Well, you guys don't know the play and I do. And I was watching <laughs> others. Th okay, Brian, we know, we know, you know, more football than us. I, I figured that out. But um, do you buy that one play could swing the momentum for Lewis? Um, 
I'm not. No, I don't want to put too much into one play, but I do. I do genuinely believe. I'm glad you mentioned the teammates' reactions. Like I do believe, especially after talking to him. Um, like I guess I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it, but I, I almost was like, as I listened to him, I'm like, I hope he hasn't forgotten that at Georgia he was a pretty electric player. Now I, there are there could be a whole number of reasons for that, but it's like. I almost felt like this guy who's been through a heck of a lot in his first year, like to get some positive momentum would be pretty important for him. And I also, you mentioned the teammates reactions. Like I thought it was interesting to see the guys who he would essentially be competing with the Cam Bynums, the Josh Metellus, Harrison Smith, like those guys were the first guys to pat him on the helmet. So I thought that showed something to me, but I'm not going to react too much to one play. And and I don't think he would either. The way I li- the way he talked, it was like, I want to prove it again and again and again. And I think he's going to have to. And so I think that alignment of, of the expectation, that's where I'm at. It's like, I want to see him prove it again and again, um, just like he wants to see it for himself. I Of course, when pads come on, He's going to have to prove it. Preseason games. I wouldn't count out him chasing down Cam Bynum. I still am having trouble seeing it. But I think that if you get to the end of this camp and you feel like he had a good training camp, at least we won't declare it over. I think that's the important. He needs to get to the end of this training camp and we're not saying, oh, yeah, no, not going to happen. That happened with Laquan Treadwell, where his second training camp, nothing really happened. Interesting. And we just, all right, well, I mean, by your third training camp, uh, it's pretty much over. Uh, There's not too many guys who have gone two years show nothing and then finally took a big step. It does happen, but not often. Uh, With Jalen Naylor, now, he, he falls behind, of course, Jordan Addison just by not practicing the last couple of days. Did you ever think that there was any competition there with Jordan Addison? And the first couple of days, I'm just curious about your impression of Addison from the first couple of days. Yeah, competition. I mean, I don't I don't know if I'd go that far. I just, I, I mean, I think they're going to use Jordan Addison. They drafted him at that spot for a reason. I think they believe he can really help them. Uh, I mean, beyond running the football more efficiently, I think in terms of finding ways to get coverage off of Justin, I think Addison is a big piece to that. Um, but I just, I just thought like KJ Osborne's in his in a, in a contract year. In the event that KJ Osborne leaves, to have another guy like Jalen Air right. that you can bank on, I, I mean, I just think that's pretty important. Um, in terms of Jordan Addison and my impressions. From a football perspective and how he moves around on the field, it's it's pretty impressive. I think. I mean, I just he just looks. I like, and, and I'm not some crazy wide receiver expert. I can't tell you about his ability to stack the cornerback and and second move. Like I I can't at this point. I'll sure watch I'll watch clinics to get to that level. But just watching him, like he's smooth. He moves the, around smoothly, and and I feel like he could separate um, in an NFL game, and I think that's important. Now again. Pads come on, physical at the line of scrimmage. We're going to see how that pans out. Um, so that's another thing with him that I'm looking forward to seeing. Don't make it harder than it is to figure <laughs> out if a receiver is good. He should catch the ball and be open. <laughs> All that other stuff, that's technical stuff that coaches have to understand. But it, it's about making plays. And Would so you far agree? he has. Yeah. yeah, I was going to ask, like, what have you thought? Yeah, there was a play the other day, two of them that stood out to me. One, he ran a route where he shook a safety into the next world and he was wide open like okay well that was something and then there was another play kind of a subtle thing but a throw was behind him in kind of the situational drill so it's 11 on 11 and he reached out and snatched the ball and I thought that is a very high difficulty catch even though it was not like 
mossing someone, right. but it wasn't a throw that was right on him. And he just snatched it out of the air. And I think what you see from so many receivers is the ball has to get on them and they have to kind of cradle it, or it has to be right up in a position to grab, but this was nowhere really close. And that's what you saw from him in college where with Kenny Pickett, he could kind of put it anywhere yeah. and Jordan Addison would get it. Now I think you bring up a great point that it's about understanding the whole offense. It's about pads and being able to defeat physical plays and things like that my early impression though is that looks like a first round receiver where he just does things that your eye uh you know stands out it stands out and catches your eye because the other guys aren't able to do it you know what i also think is interesting is like if you've read around the league and i know you have and listen around the league is like people are very high on zay flowers uh johnson with los angeles people are very in this draft class it felt like, ah, it's not the craziest receiver class. Smith the Jigba. I yeah, saw that yeah. he's been their best but player. But people are raving about a lot of these guys individually. And I'm like, but pre-draft, it was like, ah, we're not really so sure. So I just to follow that is going to be, uh, I think, fun and insightful probably in my first uh, full year doing this. But, yeah. Look at my predictions for the season. <laughs> yeah. And the predictions, the bold predictions was that people will regret not drafting those receivers higher because they weren't the right size. Uh, who was the third one? Then we got to run out to practice. Ivan Pace. Oh, Pace. Yeah. Interesting to me because I do think that there is a must be this tall to get on the ride. Um, I've heard so many times. Oh, Hercules Mata'afa, who you've never heard of for a reason. <laughs> but like, he's just like John Randall or something. Okay, man. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it just sometimes there is a Cam Dantzler. It's okay that he weighs 175 pounds. Not really. Yeah. No, it isn't. And so I'm always skeptical. But also was a huge fan of Sam Mills growing up, who also you may not be familiar with. But uh, you know who he is. Like, is he in the Hall of Fame? I think he's in the Hall of Fame now. Undersized linebacker, London Fletcher. Yeah. Like, it's great when they can do it because usually they have to overcome a lot and they're, you know, tough as nails and everything. But I'm skeptical off the bat. So when the pads come on, he's going to have to go a long way to kind of prove it to me that he can be anything more than just a special team type guy. But he moves differently. Like that might be because he's smaller than everyone else, yeah. but, but there's, there's some e- explosion in that guy. Yeah, there is. And, and I, he even said to me, he's like, I, I honestly like didn't drop a ton in college. So I think that's been and and zone drop like defensively yep, in terms yep, of yep. his impact. I think that's something we'll have to watch. Um, and then I also think like around the draft time, I remember, I believe it was Chisimo Paros in the front office was asked about, um, like what Brian Flores looks for. And yes. he said, big guys who move like small guys. And this is, that's not Ivan Pace. I mean, he's a right. smaller guy. So it'll be interesting to see like how things shake out. But I just, I mean, he was a guy, if you turn on the, and I, I've talked to Jim Nagy at the senior bowl. He's like, he was voted. Ivan Pace was as the most impressive defender out mm-hmm. of the senior bowl. And yet he went undrafted. And so um, I just, I'm just, I don't know from like a, that story, I'm just interested to follow and, uh, and, and yeah, but I could have given you a billion names because as you can hear, I'm acting like I'm seeing, I mean, this is like a kid in the candy store for some reason. That's what I was saying. Take it all in your first training camp. Uh, well, and a kicking competition to boot. <laughs> I haven't had one of those uh, in a couple of years. So very exciting stuff. Uh, uh-huh. anyway, well, thanks for your time. Always. We got to run out to practice, but, uh, we will definitely do it again soon. And, uh, of course you can read your work at the athletic. It must be just Alec Lewis on Twitter. Alec underscore. I, I don't think I could get, yeah, you don't Terrible. you're shaking your head. Um, at least yeah. it's not Alec Lewis NFL. Cause that no, 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 no
Uh, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, and uh, the banter will continue all training camp. All right, football.